0: THE BOOK OF A THOUSAND NIGHTS AND A NIGHT SECTION THREE This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For further information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org Volume 1 of THE BOOK OF A THOUSAND NIGHTS AND A NIGHT Translated by Richard Burton SECTION THREE "'Know, O Lord of the Kings of the Jan, "'that these two dogs are my brothers, "'and I am the third. "'Now, when our father died, "'and left us a capital of three thousand gold pieces, "'I opened a shop with my share, "'and bought and sold therein, "'and in like guise did my two brothers, "'each setting up a shop. "'But I had been in business no long while, "'before the elder sold his stock for a thousand dinars, "'and after buying outfit and merchandise, went his ways to foreign parts he was absent one whole year with the caravan but one day as i sat in my shop behold a beggar stood before me asking alms and i said to him allah open thee another door whereupon he answered weeping the while am i so changed that thou knowest me not then i looked at him narrowly and lo it was my brother so i rose to him and welcomed him Then I seated him in my shop, and put questions concerning his case. "'Ask me not,' answered he, "'my wealth is a waste, and my state hath waxed unstated.' So I took him to the Hammam bath, and clad him in a suit of my own, and gave him lodging in my house. Moreover, after looking over the accounts of my stock in trade, and the profits of my business, I found that industry had gained me one thousand dinars, while my principal, the head of my wealth, amounted to two thousand. So I shared the whole with him, saying, Assume that thou hast made no journey abroad, but hast remained at home, and be not cast down by thine ill-luck. He took the share in great glee, and opened for himself a shop, and matters went on quietly for a few nights and days. But presently my second brother, yon other dog, also, setting his heart upon travel, sold off what goods and stock-in-trade he had, and albeit we tried to stay him, he would not be stayed. He laid in an outfit for the journey and fared forth with certain wayfarers, after an absence of a whole year. He came back to me, even as my elder brother had come back, and when I said to him, "O oh, my brother, did I not dissuade thee from travel?" he shed tears and cried. O oh, my brother, this be destiny's decree, here I am a mere beggar, penniless, and without a shirt to my back. So I led him to the bath, O Jinni, and clothing him in new clothes of my own wear, I went with him to my shop, and served him with meat and drink. Furthermore, I said to him, O oh, my brother, I am wont to cast up my shop accounts at the head of every year, and whatso I shall find of surplusage is between me and thee. So I proceeded, O Ifrit, to strike a balance, and finding two thousand dinars of profit, I returned praises to the Creator, be he extolled and exalted, and made over one half to my brother, keeping the other to myself. Thereupon he busied himself with opening a shop, and on this wise we abode many days. After a time my brothers began pressing me to travel with them, but I refused, saying, what gained ye by travel voyage that I should gain thereby? As I would not give ear to them, we went back, each to his own shop, where we bought and sold as before. They kept urging me to travel for a whole twelve months, but I refused to do so till full six years were past and gone, when I consented with these words, O oh, my brothers, here am I, your companion of travel. Now let me see what monies you have by you. I found, however, that they had not a doit, having squandered their substance in high diet and drinking, and carnal delights. Yet I spoke not a word of reproach. So far from it I looked over my shop-accounts once more, and sold what goods and stock-in-trade were mine, and finding myself the owner of six thousand ducats, I gladly proceeded to divide that sum in halves, saying to my brothers, These three thousand gold pieces are for me and for you to trade with all, adding, Let us bury the other moiety underground, that it may be of service in case any harm befall us, in which case each shall take a thousand wherewith to open shops. Both replied, Right is thy wrecking, and I gave to each one his thousand gold pieces, keeping the same sum for myself, to wit a thousand dinars we then got ready suitable goods and hired a ship and having embarked our merchandise proceeded on our voyage day following day a full month after which we arrived at a city where we sold our venture and for every piece of gold we gained ten and as we turned again to our voyage we found on the shore of the sea a maiden clad in worn and ragged gear And she kissed my hand, and said, O Master, is there kindness in thee, and charity? I can make thee a fitting return for them. I answered, Even so, truly in me are benevolence and good works, even though thou render me no return. Then she said, Take me to wife, O my Master, and carry me to thy city, for I have given myself to thee. So do me a kindness, and I am of those who be meet for good works and charity. I WILL MAKE THEE A FITTING RETURN FOR THESE, AND BE THOU NOT SHAMED BY MY CONDITION. WHEN I HEARD HER WORDS, MY HEART YEARNED TOWARDS HER, IN SUCH SORT AS WILLED IT ALLAH, BE HE EXTOLLED AND EXALTED, AND TOOK HER, AND CLOTHED HER, AND MADE READY FOR HER A FAIR RESTING-PLACE IN THE VESSEL, AND HONORABLY ENTREATED HER. SO WE VOYAGED ON, AND MY HEART BECAME ATTACHED TO HER WITH EXCEEDING ATTACHMENT. "'and I was separated from her neither night nor day, "'and I paid more regard to her than to my brothers. "'Then they were estranged from me, "'and waxed jealous of my wealth "'and the quantity of merchandise I had, "'and their eyes were opened covetously upon all my property. "'So they took counsel to murder me and seize my wealth, saying, "'Let us slay our brother, and all his monies will be ours.' and Satan made this deed seem fair in their sight. So when they found me in privacy, and I sleeping by my wife's side, they took us both up and cast us into the sea. My wife awoke, startled from her sleep, and forthright becoming an ifrita, she bore me up and carried me to an island, and disappeared for a short time. But she returned in the morning and said, Here am I, thy faithful slave, who hath made thee due recompense? FOR I BORE THEE UP IN THE WATERS, AND SAVED THEE FROM DEATH BY COMMAND OF THE ALMIGHTY. KNOW THAT I AM A jinniyah AND AS I SAW THEE, MY HEART LOVED THEE BY WILL OF THE LORD. FOR I AM A BELIEVER IN ALLAH, AND IN HIS APOSTLE, WHOM HEAVEN BLESS AND PRESERVE. THEREUPON I CAME TO THEE CONDITIONED AS THOU SOWEST ME, AND THOU DIDST MARRY ME, AND SEE NOW I HAVE SAVED THEE FROM SINKING. "'But I am angered against thy brothers, "'and assuredly I must slay them.' "'When I heard her story, I was surprised, "'and thanking her for all she had done, I said, "'But as to slaying my brothers, this must not be.' "'Then I told her the tale of what had come to pass with them "'from the beginning of our lives to the end, "'and on hearing it,' quoth she, "'this night will I fly as a bird over them, "'and will sink their ship and slay them.' "'Quoth I, Allah upon thee, do not thus, for the proverb saith, O thou who doest good to him that doth evil, leave the evil doer to his evil deeds. Moreover, they are still my brothers. But she rejoined, By Allah, there is no help for it, but I slay them. I humbled myself before her for their pardon, whereupon she bore me up and flew away with me, till at last she set me down on the terrace roof of my own house. I opened the doors, and took up what I had hidden in the ground, and after I had saluted the folk, I opened my shop, and bought me merchandise. Now, when night came on, I went home, and there I saw these two hounds tied up, and, when they sighted me, they arose and whined and fawned upon me, but ere I knew what happened, my wife said, These two dogs be thy brothers. I answered, And who hath done this thing by them? And she rejoined, I sent a message to my sister, and she entreated them on this wise, nor shall these two be released from their present shape till ten years shall have passed. And now I have arrived at this place on my way to my wife's sister, that she may deliver them from this condition, after their having endured it for half a score of years. As I was wending onwards, I saw this young man, who acquainted me with what had befallen him and I determined not to fare hence, until I should see what might occur between thee and him. Such is my tale. Then said the Jinni, Surely this is a strange story, and therefore I give thee the third portion of his blood and his crime. Thereupon quoth the third sheikh, the master of the mere mule, to the Jinni. I can tell thee a tale more wondrous than these two, so thou grant me the remainder of his blood and his offence, and the jinni answered so be it then the old man began the third sheikh's story know o sultan and head of the jan that this mill was my wife Now it so happened that I went forth and was absent one whole year, and when I returned from my journey I came to her by night, and saw a black slave lying with her on the carpet bed, and they were talking, and dallying, and laughing, and kissing, and playing the close buttock game. When she saw me she rose and came hurriedly at me with a gugglet of water, and muttering spells over it she besprinkled me and said, "'Come forth from this thy shape, into the shape of a dog.' "'and I became, on the instant, a dog. "'She drove me out of the house, "'and I ran through the doorway, nor ceased running, "'until I came to a butcher's stall, "'where I stopped and began to eat what bones were there. "'When the stall-owner saw me, "'he took me and led me into his house, "'but as soon as his daughter had sight of me, "'she veiled her face from me, crying out, "'Dost thou bring men to me, "'and dost thou come in with them to me?' "'Her father asked, "'Where is the man?' And she answered, This dog is a man, whom his wife hath ensorcelled, and I am able to release him. When her father heard her words, he said, Allah upon thee, O my daughter, release him. So she took a gugglet of water, and after uttering words over it, sprinkled upon me a few drops, saying, Come forth from that form into thy former form. And I returned to my natural shape. Then I kissed her hand and said, I WISH THOU WOULDEST TRANSFORM MY WIFE EVEN AS SHE TRANSFORMED ME. THEREUPON SHE GAVE ME SOME WATER, SAYING, AS SOON AS THOU SEE HER ASLEEP, SPRINKLE THIS LIQUID UPON HER, AND SPEAK WHAT WORDS THOU HEARDEST ME UTTER, SO SHALL SHE BECOME WHATSOEVER THOU DESIREST. I WENT TO MY WIFE, AND FOUND HER FAST ASLEEP, AND WHILE SPRINKLING THE WATER UPON HER, I SAID, COME FORTH FROM THAT FORM INTO THE FORM OF A mare mule so she became on the instant a she-mule. And she it is whom thou seest with thine eyes, O Sultan and Head of the Kings of the Jan. Then the Jinni turned towards her and said, Is this sooth? And she nodded her head and replied by signs, "Indeed, 'tis the truth, for such is my tale, and this is what hath befallen me. Now, when the old man had ceased speaking, the jinni shook with pleasure, and gave him the third of the merchant's blood, and Shahrazad perceived the dawn of the day, and ceased saying her permitted say. Then quoth Dunyazad, O my sister, how pleasant is thy tale, and how tasteful, how sweet, and how grateful! She replied, And what is this, compared with that I could tell thee, the night to come, if I live and the king spare me? THEN THOUGHT THE KING, BY ALLAH, I WILL NOT SLAY HER UNTIL I HEAR THE REST OF HER TALE, FOR TRULY IT IS WONDROUS. SO THEY RESTED THAT NIGHT IN MUTUAL EMBRACE UNTIL THE DAWN. AFTER THIS THE KING WENT FORTH TO HIS HALL OF ESTATE, AND THE WAZIR AND THE TROOPS CAME IN, AND THE COURT WAS CROWDED, AND THE KING GAVE ORDERS AND JUDGED, AND APPOINTED AND DEPOSED, BIDDING AND FORBIDDING DURING THE REST OF THE DAY. Then the divan broke up, and King Shahriyar entered his palace. When it was the third night, and the king had had his will of the wazir's daughter, Dunyazad, her sister, said to her, Finish for us that tale of thine. And she replied, With joy and goodly gree. It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when the third old man told a tale to the jinni more wondrous than the two preceding, The jinni marvelled with exceeding marvel, and shaking with delight cried, Lo, I have given thee the remainder of the merchant's punishment, and for thy sake have I released him. Thereupon the merchant embraced the old men and thanked them, and these sheikhs wished him joy on being saved, and fared forth each one for his own city. Yet this tale is not more wondrous than the fisherman's story, asked the king, "'What is the fisherman's story?' "'And she answered, by relating the tale of "'The Fisherman and the jinni. "'It hath reached me, O auspicious king, "'that there was a fisherman, well stricken in years, "'who had a wife and three children, "'and withal was of poor condition. "'Now it was his custom to cast his net "'every day four times, and no more. "'On a day he went forth about noontide to the seashore, where he laid down his basket, and tucking up his shirt and plunging into the water, made a cast with his net, and waited till it settled to the bottom. Then he gathered the cords together, and hailed away at it, but found it weighty, and however much he drew it landwards, he could not pull it up, so he carried the ends ashore, and drove a stake into the ground, and made the net fast to it. Then he stripped and dived into the water all about the net, and left not off working hard until he had brought it up he rejoiced thereat and donning his clothes went to the net where he found in it a dead jackass which had torn the meshes now when he saw it he exclaimed in his grief there is no majesty and there is no might save in allah the glorious the great then quoth he this is a strange manner of daily bread and he began reciting in extempore verse O toiler through the glooms of night In peril and in pain Thy toiling stint for daily bread Comes not by might and main. Seest thou not the fisher Seek afloat upon the sea His bread while glimmer stars of night As set in tangled skein. Anon he plungeth in Despite the buffet of the waves The while to sight the bellying net His eager glances strain till joying at the night's success a fish he bringeth home whose gullet by the hook of fate was caught and cut in twain when buys that fish of him a man who spent the hours of night reckless of cold and wet and gloom in ease and comfort fain lord to the lord who gives to this to that denies his wishes and dooms one toil and catch the prey and other eat the fishes. Then quoth he, Up and to it! I am sure of his beneficence. Inshallah. So he continued. When thou art seized of evil fate, assume the noble soul's long suffering. Tis thy best. Complain not to the creature. This be plaint, from one most ruthful to the ruthlessest. THE FISHERMAN, WHEN HE HAD LOOKED AT THE DEAD ASS, GOT IT FREE OF THE TOILS, AND RUNG OUT AND SPREAD HIS NET. THEN HE PLUNGED INTO THE SEA, SAYING, IN ALLAH'S NAME, AND MADE A CAST, AND PULLED AT IT. BUT IT GREW HEAVY, AND SETTLED DOWN MORE FIRMLY THAN THE FIRST TIME. NOW HE THOUGHT THAT THERE WERE FISH IN IT, AND HE MADE IT FAST, AND DOFFING HIS CLOTHES, WENT INTO THE WATER, AND DIVED AND HAILED, UNTIL HE DREW IT UP UPON DRY LAND. Then found he in it a large earthen pitcher, which was full of sand and mud. And seeing this, he was greatly troubled, and began repeating these verses. Forbear, O troubles of the world, and pardon, an ye nil forbear. I went to seek my daily bread, I find that breadless I must fare. For neither handcraft brings me aught, nor fate allots to me a share. How many fools the Pleiads reach, while darkness whelms the wise and ware. So he prayed pardon of Allah, and throwing away the jar, wrung his net and cleansed it, and returned to the sea the third time to cast his net, and waited till it had sunk. Then he pulled at it, and found therein potsherds and broken glass, whereupon he began to speak these verses he is to thee that daily bread thou canst nor loose nor bind nor pen nor writ avail thee aught thy daily bread to find for joy and daily bread are what fate deigneth to allow this soil is sad and sterile ground while that makes glad the hind the shafts of time and life bear down full many a man of worth while bearing up to high degree whites of ignoble mind So come thou death, for verily life is not worth a straw, When, lo, the falcon falls withal, the mallard wings the wind. No wonder tis thou seest how the great of soul and mind, A poor and many a loser carl, to height of luck designed. This bird shall overfly the world from east to furthest west, And that shall win her every wish, though ne'er she leave the nest. Then, raising his eyes heavenwards, he said, O my God, verily thou wottest that I cast not my net each day, save four times. The third is done, and as yet thou hast vouchsafed me nothing. So this time, O my God, deign give me my daily bread. Then, having called on Allah's name, he again threw his net, and waited its sinking and settling whereupon he hailed at it, but could not draw it in, for that it was entangled at the bottom. He cried out in his vexation, There is no majesty, and there is no might, save in Allah. And he began reciting, Fie on this wretched world, and so it be, I must be whelmed by grief and misery. Though gladsome be man's lot, when dawn's the morn, he drains the cup of woe, ere eve he see. "'Yet was I one of whom the world, when asked, "'Whose lot is happiest, oft would say, "'Tis he.'" Thereupon he stripped, and diving down to the net, busied himself with it till it came to land. Then he opened the meshes and found therein a cucumber-shaped jar of yellow copper, evidently full of something, whose mouth was made fast with a leaden cap, stamped with the seal-ring of our Lord Sulaiman, son of David, "'Allah accept the twain.' "'Seeing this, the fisherman rejoiced, and said, "'If I sell it in the brass bazaar, tis worth ten golden dinars.' "'He shook it, and finding it heavy, continued, "'Would to heaven I knew what is herein! "'But I must and will open it, and look to its contents, "'and store it in my bag, and sell it in the brass market.' "'And taking out a knife, he worked at the lead, till he had loosened it from the jar. Then he laid the cup on the ground, and shook the vase, to pour out whatever might be inside. He found nothing in it, whereat he marvelled with an exceeding marvel. But presently there came forth from the jar a smoke, which spired heavenwards into ether, whereat he again marvelled with mighty marvel, and which trailed along earth's surface, till presently, having reached its full height, the thick vapour condensed, and became an ifrit huge of bulk, whose crest touched the clouds while his feet were on the ground. His head was as a dome, his hands like pitchforks, his legs long as masts, and his mouth big as a cave. His teeth were like large stones, his nostrils ewers, his eyes two lamps, and his look was fierce and lowering. Now when the fisherman saw the Ifrit, his side muscles quivered, his teeth chattered, his spittle dried up, and he became blind about what to do. Upon this the Ifrit looked at him, and cried, There is no God but Thee, God, and Sulayman is the Prophet of God, presently adding, O Apostle of Allah, slay me not, never again will I gainsay thee in word, nor sin against thee in deed. Quoth the fisherman, O Marid! Didst thou say, Sulayman, the apostle of Allah, and Sulayman is dead some thousand and eight hundred years ago, and we are now in the last days of the world? What is thy story, and what is thy account of thyself, and what is the cause of thy entering into this cucurbit? When the evil spirit heard the words of the fisherman, quoth he, There is no God but Thee, God. Be of good cheer, O fisherman. Quoth the fisherman, Why biddest thou me to be of good cheer? And he replied, Because of thy having to die an ill death in this very hour, said the fisherman. Thou deservest for thy good tidings the withdrawal of heaven's protection, O thou distant one! Wherefore shouldest thou kill me? And what thing have I done to deserve death? I, who freed thee from the jar, and saved thee from the depths of the sea, and brought thee up on the dry land, replied the Ifrit. "'Ask me only what mode of death thou wilt die, "'and by what manner of slaughter shall I slay thee?' "'Rejoined the fisherman. "'What is my crime, and wherefore such retribution?' "'Quoth the Ifrit. "'Hear my story, O fisherman.' "'And he answered. "'Say on, and be brief in thy saying, "'for of very sooth my life-breath is in my nostrils.' "'Thereupon quoth the Jinni, "'Know that I am one among the heretical Jan, "'and I sinned against Sulayman.' David's son. On the twain be peace. I, together with the famous Sahra al-Jinni, whereupon the Prophet sent his minister, Asav, son of Bahia, to seize me, and this wazir brought me against my will and led me in bonds to him, I being downcast despite my nose. And he placed me standing before him like a suppliant. When Sulaiman saw me, he took refuge with Allah, and bade me embrace the true faith, and obey his behests. But I refused, so, sending for this cucurbit, he shut me up therein, and stopped it over with lead, whereon he impressed the most high name, and gave his orders to the Jan, who carried me off, and cast me into the midmost of the ocean. There I abode an hundred years, during which I said in my heart, "'Whoso shall release me, him will I enrich for ever and ever.' But the full century went by, and when no one set me free, I entered upon the second five score, saying, "'Whoso shall release me, for him I will open the hoards of the earth.' Still no one set me free, and thus four hundred years passed away. Then quoth I, "'Whoso shall release me, for him will I fulfil three wishes.' Yet no one set me free. Thereupon I waxed wroth with exceeding wrath, and said to myself, Whoso shall release me from this time forth, him will I slay, and I will give him choice of what death he will die. And now, as thou hast released me, I give thee full choice of deaths. The fisherman, hearing the words of the Ifrit, said, O oh Allah, the wonder of it, that I have not come to free thee save in these days, adding, Spare my life, so Allah spare thine, and slay me not, lest Allah set one to slay thee. Replied the contumacious one, There is no help for it, die thou must, so ask me by way of boon what manner of death thou wilt die. Albeit thus certified, the fisherman again addressed the Ifrit, saying, Forgive me this my death, as a generous reward for having freed thee, and the Ifrit, Surely I would not slay thee, save on account of that same release. O chief of the Ifrits, said the fisherman, I do thee good, and thou requitest me with evil. In very sooth the old saw lieth not, when it saith, We wrought them weal, they met our weal with ill. Such by my life is every bad man's labour. To him who benefits unworthy whites Shall hap what hapt to Umi Amir's neighbour. Now, when the Ifrit heard these words, he answered, No more of this talk, needs must I kill thee. Upon this the fisherman said to himself, This is a jinni, and I am a man to whom Allah hath given a passably cunning wit, so I will now cast about to compass his destruction by my contrivance and by mine intelligence, even as he took counsel only of his malice and his frowardness. "'He began by asking the Ifrit, "'Hast thou indeed resolved to kill me?' "'And receiving for all answer, "'Even so,' he cried, "'Now in the most great name, "'Graven on the seal-ring of Suleiman, "'the son of David, "'Peace be with the holy twain. "'And I question thee on a certain matter, "'Wilt thou give me a true answer?' "'The Ifrit replied, "'Yea.' "'But hearing mention of the most great name, "'His wits were troubled, "'And he said with trembling, "'Ask and be brief.' Quoth THE FISHERMAN, HOW DIDST THOU FIT INTO THIS BOTTLE, WHICH WOULD NOT HOLD THY HAND, NO, NOR EVEN THY FOOT, AND HOW CAME IT TO BE LARGE ENOUGH TO CONTAIN THE WHOLE OF THEE? REPLIED THE IFRIT, WHAT, DOST NOT BELIEVE THAT I WAS ALL THERE? AND THE FISHERMAN REJOINED, NAY, I WILL NEVER BELIEVE IT, UNTIL I SEE THEE INSIDE WITH MY OWN EYES. AND SHAHRAZAD PERCEIVED THE DAWN OF THE DAY, AND CEASED TO SAY HER PERMITTED SAY when it was the fourth night her sister said to her please finish us this tale and thou be not sleepy so she resumed it hath reached me o auspicious king that when the fisherman said to thee ifrit i will never and nowise believe thee until i see thee inside it with mine own eyes the evil spirit on the instant shook and became a vapour which condensed and entered the jar little and little till all was well inside when lo The fisherman in hot haste took the leaden cap with the seal, and stoppered therewith the mouth of the jar, and called out to the Ifrit, saying, Ask me by way of Boon what death thou wilt die. By Allah, I will throw thee into the sea before us, and here will I build me a lodge, and whoso cometh hither, I will warn him against fishing, and will say— in these waters abideth an Efreet who giveth as a last favour a choice of deaths and fashion of slaughter to the man who saveth him. Now when the ifrit heard this from the fisherman, and saw himself in limbo, he was minded to escape, but this was prevented by Solomon's seal. So he knew that the fisherman had cozened and outwitted him, and he waxed lowly and submissive, and began humbly to say, I did but jest with thee but the other answered thou liest o vilest of the ifrits and meanest and filthiest and he set off with the bottle for the seaside the ifrit calling out nay nay and he calling out aye aye thereupon the evil spirit softened his voice and smoothed his speech and abased himself saying what wouldst thou do with me o fisherman i will throw thee back into the sea he answered where thou hast been housed and homed for a thousand and eight hundred years and now i will leave thee therein till judgment day did i not say to thee spare me and allah shall spare thee and slay me not lest allah slay thee yet thou spurnedest my supplication and hadst no intention save to deal ungraciously by me and allah hath now thrown thee into my hands and i am cunninger than thou quoth the ifrit Open for me, and I may bring thee weal. quoth the fisherman, thou liest, thou accursed. My case with thee is that of the wazir of King Yunan with the sage Duban. And who was the wazir of King Yunan? and who was the sage Duban, and what was the story about them, quoth the Ifrit, whereupon the fisherman began to tell. The Tale of the Wazir and the Sage Duban "'Know, O thou Ifrit, "'that in days of yore "'and in ages long gone before, "'a king called Yunan "'reigned over the city of Fars "'of the land of Rum. "'He was a powerful ruler "'and a wealthy, "'who had armies and guards "'and allies of all the nations of men, "'but his body was afflicted "'with a leprosy "'which leeches and men of science "'failed to heal. "'He drank potions "'and he swallowed powders, "'and he used unguents, But nought did him good, and none among the host of physicians availed to procure him a cure. At last there came to his city a mighty healer of men, and one well stricken in years, the Sage Duban Hight. This man was a reader of books, Greek, Persian, Roman, Arabian, and Syrian, and he was skilled in astronomy and in leechcraft, the theoric as well as the practic he was experienced in all that healeth and that hurteth the body, conversant with the virtues of every plant, grass, and herb, and their benefit and bane. And he understood philosophy, and had compassed the whole range of medical science and other branches of the knowledge tree. Now this physician passed but few days in the city, ere he heard of the king's malady, and all his bodily sufferings, through the leprosy with which Allah had smitten him, and how all the doctors and wise men had failed to heal him upon this he sat up through the night in deep thought and when broke the dawn and appeared the morn and light was again born and the sun greeted the good whose beauties the world adorn he donned his handsomest dress and going in to king yunan he kissed the ground before him Then he prayed for the endurance of his honour and prosperity in fairest language, and made himself known, saying, O King, tidings have reached me of what befell thee through that which is in thy person, and how the host of physicians have proved themselves unavailing to abate it, and, lo, I can cure thee, O King, and yet will I not make thee drink of draught or anoint thee with ointment. Now, when King Yunan heard his words, he said in huge surprise, How wilt thou do this? By Allah, if thou make me whole, I will enrich thee even to thy son's son, and I will give thee sumptuous gifts, and whatso thou wishest shall be thine, and thou shalt be to me a cup companion and a friend. The king then robed him with a dress of honour, and entreated him graciously, and asked him, "'Canst thou indeed cure me of this complaint without drug and unguent?' "'And he answered, "'Yes, I will heal thee without the pains and penalties of medicine.' "'The king marvelled with exceeding marvel, and said, "'O physician, when shall this be whereof thou speakest, "'and in how many days shall it take place? "'Haste thee, O my son!' "'He replied, "'I hear, and I obey. "'The cure shall begin to-morrow.' So saying, he went forth from the presence, and hired himself a house in the city, for the better storage of his books and scrolls, his medicines, and his aromatic roots. Then he set to work at choosing the fittest drugs and simples, and he fashioned a bat hollow within, and furnished with a handle without, for which he made a ball, the two being prepared with consummate art. On the next day, when both were ready for use, and wanted nothing more, he went up to the king, and, kissing the ground between his hands, bade him ride forth on the parade-ground, there to play at Pal and Mal. He was accompanied by his suite, emirs and chamberlains, wazirs and lords of the realm, and ere he was seated, the sage Duban came up to him, and handing him the bat, said, "'Take this Mal, and grip it as I do, so, and now push for the plain,' and, leaning well over thy horse, drive the ball with all thy might, until thy palm be moist, and thy body perspire. Then the medicine will penetrate through thy palm, and will permeate thy person. When thou hast done with playing, and thou feelest the effects of the medicine, return to thy palace, and make the ruzel ablation in the hammam bath, and lay thee down to sleep. So shalt thou become whole, and now peace be with thee, Thereupon King Yunan took the bat from the sage, and grasped it firmly. Then, mounting steed, he drove the ball before him, and galloped after it till he reached it, when he struck it with all his might, his palm gripping the bat-handle the while, and he ceased not malling the ball, till his hand waxed moist, and his skin perspiring imbibed the medicine from the wood. Then the sage Dubar knew that the drugs had penetrated his person, and bade him return to the palace and enter the hammam without stay or delay. so King Yunan forthright returned and ordered them to clear for him the bath. They did so, the carpet spreaders making all haste, and the slaves all hurry, and got ready a change of raiment for the king. He entered the bath and made the total ablution long and thoroughly then donned his clothes within the hammam and rode therefrom to his palace where he lay down and slept end of section 3 of the book of a thousand nights and a night